All right, turn your Bibles to Psalm 134. And as you're turning to Psalm 134, I want to ask you a question. It's a question that I've asked before. It's a question you've probably heard other people ask before if you've been at church. And it's this. Have you ever worked hard, set a goal, worked hard at achieving whatever that was, and actually accomplished it, experienced it, only to find out that after you experienced it, achieved it, possessed it, that it wasn't as great as you thought it was. Now, you don't need to raise your hand. Chances are, in a crowd this size, and if you're watching me online, wherever that may be, you would be able to say yes to that question. It doesn't matter if it's a, if it's a degree that you're seeking after or it's a, uh, a new position at work that you're seeking after, a career change that you're seeking after. Could even be like you thought, man, when I get married, all of a sudden I have hit utopia. Or if I, man, I've been wanting to have a child and you're married and you're like, man, I've been tr- we've been trying to have kids. It's been a hard process. It's been a discouraging process. But, uh, but I, and I remember what that was. And now we have one kid, maybe two kids, maybe five kids. I don't know, however many kids. And you might even feel guilty to say it. It's not that it isn't amazing, but you were hoping that it would fill that void or whatever it was. And after about the second or third night of waking up at three in the morning with a crying child, you realize that this maybe was set up on a level of expectation that maybe it should have never been. I don't know what it is, but we've all experienced that, or we will experience that. And also not to say, let me be clear, that any of those things that I mentioned are bad things to to pursue. But remember, we've been talking about these Psalms of Ascent. There are songs that the pilgrims, the Israel would sing as they were on their journey to worship the Lord in Jerusalem. And they were told by God to go to Jerusalem three different times in the year, spring and summer and fall. And they would go and they would make that journey. And for some people, it was a short journey. For other people, it was a very long journey. Showed a picture of uh, the past few weeks. It's not up there this week because I think you've got the idea. But, but how you don't have to venture very far out of Jerusalem to find out it's a desert, hard terrain. And so the significance of what we've been walking through in this series, Look Up, and the Psalms of Ascent is that it's so applicable and parallel to what we live. See, some of us, we're on this journey of life and we are pursuing that destination in our minds of the journey that we are on is is to have success at work, to to, uh, go to the college that we want to, to... uh, uh, find someone to, uh, who, who is our mate, to be able to, to have a deep friendship, to uh, have a different standard of living, whatever it may be. And so on our journey of life, we are looking at those things to be the pinnacle of that journey, only to find out that when we scale that pinnacle, it's not what we hoped it would be. There's still something that we feel we are missing. Why? Because those pinnacles we set up are never worthy of the praise that we oftentimes give them. And so in Psalm 134, we come to the very last song in the Psalm of Ascents. The context of this psalm is that they have made the journey, however long it was for them, and they've arrived now in Jerusalem. They've they've come and arrived at what they were uh, journeying for. They've arrived, they're here. And that's the context of the psalm that we find ourselves in. So let's look at Psalm 134. I'm gonna read all three verses, just three verses. It says this. 
Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. Now, it doesn't take long for you to read these three verses, and what should be sticking, jumping out at you, it probably is the phrase, bless the Lord, right? It's mentioned in verse 1, it's mentioned in verse 2, and then in the verse 3, it kind of switches. In verse 1 and 2, it's like, well, I'm told to bless the Lord, but in verse 3, it says, may the Lord bless you. And so here's what I want you to understand this morning as we look at this psalm. That looking up is choosing to praise the Lord. For 14 weeks, we've been walking through this Psalms this summer, talking about what it means to look up, understanding these are Psalms of ascent, reminding themselves of, of that journey. In Psalm 120, we see that in Psalm 120, it's this idea of repentance and the, and the call to repent. And what does repentance mean? Repentance means for me to turn from the way that I have been living and turn toward living for the Lord. Think about your journey if you're a follower of Jesus. Every person's journey who's a follower of Jesus Christ, a child of God, started with repentance. That's when your journey of faith started. It's me realizing that even though I may think of myself as a good person, even though I may do a lot of good, and that's good, it's, there's never enough good that I can do for a holy God to overlook the sin that I do. And so I can never have a relationship with God in a home in heaven if I'm relying on the good that I do. Why? Because I'm not going to be perfect and neither are you. So God in his love sent Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, to live a perfect life that I couldn't live, to die on the cross because what my sin deserves is death, Romans 6, 23. He rose again three days later showing that his perfect life and his perfect death was sufficient that God looked at that perfect life and looked at that perfect death and saw it as a substitute for my sinful life and what my sin deserved. So when I place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, what I am saying is, is Lord, I understand that I'm a sinner. I understand that there's not enough good that I can do. Lord, I repent of my sin that has separated me from you. I'm no longer going to live in my sinful way, but I'm now going to live for you. I'm going to begin this journey of faith. That's why Psalm 120 starts off with this idea of repentance. And then the rest of the Psalms from Psalm 121 all the way through what we're going to look at today deals with how we live that journey. What we need to remind ourselves when we're in a valley, when we're on an ascent, wherever we are. And so in this Psalm 134, the climax of this psalm is, or these psalms of ascent is understanding that looking up is choosing to praise the Lord. Now, we've talked about a lot of different nuances of what looking up is, but as we look at this psalm, what we need to remind ourselves of is, well, Johnny, you're telling me to look up. Look up in my life. Look at Jesus. Don't look at my circumstances. How do I do that? You make the choice to praise the Lord. And as we look at this psalm, here's what I want to do. I want to show you how choosing to praise the Lord affects you, affects me in two specific ways that are laid out in these short 
three verses in Psalm 134. Now, here's what you need to understand. Bless is mentioned three times in this psalm. Well, the Old Testament, if you didn't know this, is written in Hebrew. The New Testament is written in Greek. So that word for praise in the Hebrew, in its simplest form, literally means to praise. That's why I've said this morning, looking up is choosing to praise the Lord. So let's look at the first way choosing the Lord affects us. It's found in verses 1 and 2. It changes the way that you are feeling. Now, what I want you to see is the very first word in verse one. Say it with me. What's the very, out loud, what's the very first word in verse one? Very first word in verse one starts with a C. Come. Good job. Man, it's 11 o'clock, folks. Like, like you got to sleep in this morning. Uh, come. What I think is interesting is that this, what we find in verse one, it's an invitation. Like, like these people that are singing this are like, hey, we're inviting people to do what? To bless the Lord, to praise the Lord. We want you to come and do this. Now think about this. They've journeyed however far it is and, and they've come to this place. Have you ever found yourself, you finally arrive at, at wherever you're going and you're like, well, what are we gonna do here? What are we gonna do first here? Notice that in the psalm, and this may sound a little silly, but in the psalm it's like saying, okay, here's the first thing that you do. Go get your camera, go take some pictures. It's been a while since you've been here. Like, just go play the Taurus for a little bit. I got it. Go find, oh, go back to that one place. It's the best coffee shop. Like, they have the best coffee. And, and go get yourself a cup of coffee. You deserved it. You've been on a long journey. They don't also say, hey, let's all hang around. Let's all tell stories. We're just, gonna, we're just here to pal around with our friends. Uh, hey, uh, you, go, you go down that road right there, and you can drop your kids off. They got amazing child care. You've been with them for a long time. Like, none of those things are mentioned. What are they told to do? Come, bless the Lord. Here's the purpose of why we arrived. This is the purpose of our journey. This is the purpose of why we have arrived here in our destination. And what is it? It's to bless the Lord. Why do I make such an emphasis of that? It's because some of you right now, you're in this room right now, you're watching me online right, right now, and if you were to be completely honest, you would say you are drowning in your feelings. You feel absolutely overwhelmed, whatever it may be. You had a hard, your teachers, and you had a hard first week of school, and you're like, man, I was hoping it would be amazing, but it was absolutely terrible. Kids, you've had your first week of school. You're hoping it would be good, and you're like, ah, oh, it really wasn't great, and you may be drowning in the way that you're feeling. But you've got some bad news this week, whatever it may be, and you're drowning. And so often, we can even come into this place and come in here and sit here and stand here or watch or whatever it is and in reality, there's not, a, there's not a piece of us that feels like praising. That's a reality. I want you to understand that if that's you, there's no judgment here. There's no shame here. There's no guilt here. It's a reality. It's a reality. But can I ask you this question this morning? If that's you, let me ask you this. 
When is the last time you've made the choice to praise the Lord? When's the last time? Because here's what I've found in my life, and I'll make this personal. Is that when I find myself and I'm overwhelmed with circumstances and I'm overwhelmed with feelings of doubt or feelings of discouragement or feelings of sadness or whatever it is, and I don't praise, I don't make a choice in that and those feelings and those moments to praise, here's what happens. I begin to lose my sense of purpose. I begin to say, was this what the journey was about? Is this what Christianity is about? Is this what it looks like to serve the Lord? Is this what it involves? Is this what it costs? It's not worth it. I'm not even sure if I like being a Christian anymore, right? See, without praise, we lose our sense of purpose, which is tied to losing our perspective. Why? Because we've allowed feelings to affect us in what we see and what we say and how we see it on this journey of faith. And listen to me, if that's you this morning, as we work through these verses, I want to remind you that what the Lord is inviting you to do, what the Lord is saying to you is come and bless me. Bless me. But what I also want you to see in here is it's not just an invitation, it's also a command. Like if you were to look at the tense in which this Hebrew word come is written, it's not just an invitation, but it's actually a command. It's actually a matter of obedience, which tells me that, that the choice to praise is a choice of whether, I'm not going, whether or not I'm going to be obedient or whether I'm going to disobey the Lord. See, feelings, as important as they are, I would never downplay feelings. They're important. They're given, us, they're given to us by God. But feelings are never meant to dictate whether or not I praise the Lord. Feelings are a beautiful thing. But you've heard this phrase, they should never be in the driver's seat. We should never make decisions solely based out of feelings. Why? Because feelings change. And what the psalmist is saying here is, is come and blessing the Lord is a choice to praise the Lord. And when you choose to praise, it changes the way that you feel. Now, I know what some of you have been here and, and you maybe, maybe it's even today and you stood up and you've stood there and, but you're like, man, I can't sing, I can't praise because if I did, I would be, be a hypocrite because I don't feel like praising. I'm struggling to believe. We're just saying that you are good. Always, you are good. You're never gonna let me down. And the reason why I didn't sing that today, Johnny, is because I'm not sure that I believe it. So for me to sing it, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to be honest, dishonest. Like I'm not feeling it. And if that's you, I want you to see, maybe you didn't see it when we first read it, but can I just point your attention to who this command is given to? 
It says, come bless the Lord, and it says, all you servants of the Lord who stand night in the house of the Lord. Now, here's what you need to understand, that this this command is specifically being given to individuals who are responsible for conducting worship in the temple. Like, they're the ones that are putting it on. And one of the things you need to understand about these Levites these priests is that they worked around the clock. There were shifts that people worked. So all the time the temple was lit, things were going on, the priests were working, and they would take shifts. So can you imagine? You're like, man, I was really hoping to get off the graveyard shift this time, Levi, but I'm on it again. I remember I worked the graveyard shift one time, well, one semester when I was in college, my senior year, I worked security. And I remember working that graveyard shift and then I had to go to class the next morning. And I remember working that graveyard shift and the hardest time to work was around 3 or 4 a.m. It's the worst time. Like the adrenaline has worn off, the coffee no longer has its impact, like you're just trying to make it. So think about it, you have these Levites who are in the middle of the night and they're conducting things to worship the Lord, to get things around, to get them in place. And you know what that tells me? I'm sure there were times at three, at four, at two, whatever time it was in the middle of the night, where they probably didn't feel like worshiping. It's in the middle of the night, bro. Like they didn't feel like worshiping. Like, I'm not feeling it. I'm not excited about it. I mean, I was at 11 o'clock at night, but not at three in the morning. And what does the psalmist say? Come, bless the Lord. Who? Those people who are in the middle of the night, who are struggling, who don't feel like it, who are in a funk, come bless the Lord. Listen, some of us in this room right now feel like it's three or four in the morning circumstantially. You don't feel like it. Johnny, I'm not feeling it. You have no idea what my week was this week. I want to do it. I know I should do it. I know I should be obedient, but I ain't feeling it. And if that's you, God's word has an answer because what do we do? How do we, how do we worship when we don't feel like it? Notice what it says in verse two. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. Literally what the psalmist is saying is you may not feel like it, but just because you don't feel like it doesn't mean you get an excuse not to do it. So therefore, I want you to actually take action and change the way that you're feeling. Now what do we often do? When we're feeling in the dumps, when we're feeling down, when we're feeling hurt, when someone has broke our heart, what do we do so often? Man, we're in the car, we're listening to the, whatever tracks we got on our phones, whatever playlist we got on our phone, whatever our favorite radio station is, and what do we oftentimes do? We wanna listen to songs that, that affirm the way that we're feeling. I'm feeling really down, so I wanna listen to songs that are depressing. I just had a breakup, so I want to listen to songs about a breakup. I'm angry right now. I want to listen to the songs that confirm and affirm and make me more angry. 
I'm hurt right now, so I want to listen to the songs that I'm hurt. I just described every country song imaginable, right? Isn't that what we do? Let me look for the things that are going to affirm the way that I'm feeling and actually make me feel worse. Have you ever thought what insanity that is? But what are we doing? We're actually taking action based on what we're feeling. The problem is, is we're taking action to make us feel worse. And what the psalmist is saying here is even though you don't feel like, let me give you some action that's going to help you change the way that you're feeling. And what does he say? I want you to lift up your hands and I want you to bless the Lord. Problem isn't taking action. The problem is, is what action are we taking? Think about it. Some of you are like, well, I'm not big into music, so what do you do when you're not feeling great? You know what you do? You veg out on Netflix, right? I've been known to do that. Man, I'm stressed out. Like, like I, got, I feel like I got a million things I got to answer, so what am I going to do? Man, I'm going to binge on this show, all 12 episodes. I'll see you next, the next day. Or some of us are like, well, I'm not really into watching TV that long or whatever it is. So what do we do, man? We want, go, we want to go to the golf course. We're into golf. So let me go play 18 holes and let me get my mind off of what I'm struggling with. Maybe some of us, man, we want to go shopping. Like all of a sudden Amazon is our best friend. Right? The, we, we know the UPS person by name. Maybe some of us, man, I'm just going fishing. Like I got that sign in my house that says gone fishing. I want to get my mind off of whatever it is. Now think about this. I've been to many a game with some of you, sporting event with some of you. And you've been with me. And you know what I find out about myself? Is that it doesn't matter how I feel before I go into a place and I'm cheering for my favorite team. When I'm in that place, all of a sudden my problems are gone. And man, I am on cloud nine and I'm screaming and yelling my head off. And my arms are in the air and I'm shouting as loud as I can. Notice I put a picture up there that would not offend anyone. They know Duke, UNC, Wake Forest in there. It's Missouri. Doubt we have any Missouri fans in here. Because I didn't want to distract from what I'm saying. What's my point? Is I felt convicted a long time ago. I've said this before. That I can't hoot and holler and scream and play the fool and all that other stuff, which is totally fine. I love to do it whether it's at my kids' games or it's my favorite team that I'm watching, that I can't do that and exercise that and lift my hands in that to get my mind off of whatever I'm struggling with and sit in that front row and not do the same thing to my Lord when he's the one who saved me, when he's the one who's given me a home in heaven, when he's the one who's with me every single moment of this life. What, what mindset do I have if I can scream and holler at a game that is insignificant in all of eternity and not do the same thing and take the same action to get my mind off of the funk that I'm in and say, you know what I'm gonna do right now in the middle of the night and where I'm struggling? I'm going to lift my hands and praise the Lord. And some of us need to remind ourselves, wait a minute, I'm made up of body and I'm made up of soul. And those feelings are God-given. But sometimes, you know what I've found in my life? That when I'm sitting on that front row, and yes, as your pastor, and sometimes I'm there, and I'm like, man, I know I should be ready to preach. I know I should be feeling it. But you know what? Right now, I'm struggling. And you know what sometimes I will do? Is I will just say, Lord, I'm going to raise my hands even though I don't feel like it. Because and here's what I've found. When I bodily 
am obedient in the Lord in causing my body to actually do something when I don't feel like doing it? You know what I found? My emotions follow. And it's not necessarily I'm raising my hands saying, man, my life is amazing right now. God, I'm raising my hands because I need you right now. See, choosing to praise the Lord changes the way that you feel. Here's the second thing that it does. It changes the way you are remembering. The way you are remembering. We've talked a lot about the importance of remembrance in this series, Look Up. But notice I said it doesn't change the choice to remember or not. I said it changes the way you are remembering. See, in verse 3, you find this, this switch now where now it's not talking about our responsibility, the invitation and the command to praise the Lord. But now it switches and it says, hey, the Lord, may the Lord bless you. See, that word bless there in its simplest form means praise, but here's the form of the Hebrew word bless and the significance of it here, significance of it here in verse three. It literally describes what God has done to you, for you, and among you. May the Lord bless you. The Lord has done something to you. The Lord has done something for you. The Lord has done something among you and me. Can I share with you three things that he's done that aren't necessarily in this psalm, but three ways that God has blessed you? Here's the first one. God has blessed me. He is my strength. Can you say that first sentence with me? Just say it with me. God has blessed me. Say that again. God has blessed me. Say it one more time. God has blessed me. I mean, some of us this morning, and when we leave, and when we go into our day tomorrow, maybe it's difficult, and we know it's coming, and you know what we just need to do? We need to write down these three things that I'm gonna give you, and you just need to say them out loud in your car. God, you bless me. I'm not feeling it right now. My circumstances don't seem to be affirming it right now. God, you blessed me. You're my strength. The fact that you are all here, and I think all your eyes are open, the fact that you are all here, and you opened your eyes this morning when your alarm went off or the sun broke into your room and you were able to open up your eyes and get out of bed, that alone is affirmation that you've been blessed. The fact that you're here today or you're watching online in in spite of the circumstances that you are feeling is affirmation to the sustaining strength of the Lord that even as bad as it seems, you're here today. It hasn't overcome you. You're blessed. The fact that there's a hope and a reality that this circumstance will pass and you will be here testifies to the affirming hope and reality that the Lord is your strength. The promise that you have that if you pass from this life to the next, even today, that you know where you'll be is a testament to that you are blessed 
God has blessed you. He is your strength. Here's another thing that he is. God has blessed me. Say it again. God has blessed me. He stepped into my world and he saved me. He entered your world. He entered my world. He got down on my level. He provided salvation through his life, through his death, through his resurrection. He knows you better than you know you. And whether that's a comforting thing to you or that's a frightening thing to you, he stooped down into your world and he saved you and he loves you and he knows what it's like. Hebrews 4, 4, 14 through 16 says this, just listen to it. We do not have a high priest, someone who's interceding for us is the idea, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Like we don't have someone, Jesus isn't someone who doesn't know what it's like, who doesn't know what the struggles are, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. He knows what it's like to struggle. Now, it doesn't mean that every single temptation that I face, he faced. But when we think of Jesus in the wilderness, in Matthew, and, and we hear that Jesus, Jesus was tempted with the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. You could put every struggle that we have in one of those categories. Jesus put himself through that. Why? So that you would never be able to say, Jesus, you don't know what it's like. What's the response in verse 16? Listen to this. Let us then, because of that beautiful reality, because of that blessing, let us then with confidence, not with fear, not with shame, not with guilt, but let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Everything that we find out about God and Jesus in the Bible testifies to the reality that he knows what it's like. He knows what it's like if you're sitting here this morning and your life feels like it's on a hamster wheel and it's the same thing over and over and over again and it just feels like redundancy. Parents, he knows what it's like when that child that you were like thinking was the pinnacle of your life and as beautiful and amazing and thankful as you should be, you're like, I've changed the 13th diaper today. As silly as it sounds, he knows what it's like. He knows what it's like when you've worked on that report and you've taken time and, you, and, and blood, sweat, and tears for verbally over that report and you've taken time at your, away from your family to, to prepare it and you've laid it on your boss's desk and it's been weeks since he's responded and you're like looking at that saying, what does that mean? Is he gonna meet with me? Is he gonna, be, is he gonna give me uh, affirmation for that? Whatever it is and you're sitting there and you're like, I can't believe that I worked that hard for it and I'm just living in this ambiguity. Believe it or not, Jesus knows what that's like. He knows what it's like when you've been praying and praying and praying and praying for this to be done. 
And it seems like it's going to work out differently than the way that you prayed. He knows what it's like. He knows what it's like. You feel betrayed. You feel like you're betrayed. Whether that be from a friendship, whether that be a dating relationship, whether that be a marriage, whatever it is, and you're like, man, I love that person as best as I could and I feel betrayed. Listen to me. Jesus knows what it's like. And the fact that we have a Savior who loved us enough to die for our sin, but also loved us enough to stoop down and put our skin on himself and experience temptation and experience hurt and experience betrayal and experience the mundane and experience the amazing things of life that I can go to God and say, God, I'm struggling right now, but I'm gonna bless you and I'm blessing you because of the reality that you stepped into my world. You know what it's like. You just didn't save me. But Lord, you also know how I'm feeling. Listen to me. Some of us need to change the way we're remembering. And that happens when we choose to praise. Here's the last thing that I think in the way that God has blessed us, and we could obviously mention many more, but I think these are three broad enough things. Can you say it with me? God has blessed me. Say it again. God has blessed me, and he has, because he will always stay by your side. As much as I love my wife and I love my family, and I love the people that are close to me and the friendships. And I love this church. I am a sinful, fallible person. And I'm going to disappoint my wife and I'm going to disappoint my kids. And I'm going to disappoint you. Though I don't strive to do that at all. Why? Because I'm not perfect. But you know what God has done? He's blessed me. Because he will never leave my side. 28 through 30 is this amazing verses where, I don't know if you're familiar with them or not, but it talks about how no one will snatch you out of the Father's hand. I used to play this game uh, with, my, with my kids, you know, you know those games that you play when you're waiting a long time to get a table and your kids are small and you're like just making up games? So, so this was a game we had. I would close my fist and, and the kids would try to open my fist and see if they were strong enough to do it. Now, I haven't played this in a long time, so I don't know if this is still possible. But at the time, they would try their hardest. They'd try to get into my thumb. They'd try to pry it open. But they couldn't open my hand. Why? Because I was just too strong for them. What I love about John 10, 28 through 30 is there are times where you can feel like Jesus doesn't love me anymore. There's times when you can feel that man, there's no way that I'm still saved. But what those verses say is, no, 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 you're blessed. God has blessed you. No one can pry open daddy's hand and take you out of it. Hebrews 13, five says, he will never leave you or forsake you. Some of us need to look up you came in and you're like, man, I'm sitting here. I don't know how to do it, though. Here's how you do it according to God's word. You choose to praise the Lord. And I'm telling you, it will change the way that you feel. It'll change the way that you are remembering. 
And here's the significance of choosing to praise. Because I can't serve a God who I believe is a tyrant or I believe is a thief. And if we aren't diligent to praise, we can allow circumstances and lies from the enemy to get us to believe that our God is not loving, he's a tyrant. Our God is not giving and blessing us. No, 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 he's taking away. He's a thief. He's stolen what was good out of my life. That's where my feelings take me when I allow them to go unbridled. When I make the choice to praise. I'm reminded who my Savior is. I'm reminded that he's done what? He's blessed me. I want you to stand with me this morning. And can we just say this phrase? I have been blessed. Can you say that? Say it with me. I've been blessed. Say it one more time. I've been blessed. We are blessed people this morning. If you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are blessed. And we need to raise our hands this morning. We need to make the choice to praise. We need to, we need to physically do what is necessary to speak to the way that we feel so that we can change the way we are remembering. Listen to me, if you're here today, you're watching us online, you've never put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, Romans 10, 13 says, if I call out and I believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I will be saved. It's saying, Lord, I'm a sinner. I realize you lived the life. You died the death. You rose again for my salvation. I put my trust in you. If that's you, you can turn off that TV today when you're done and you can say, I'm blessed. You can walk out of these doors this morning and saying, I'm blessed. But listen to me, if you're a child of God this morning, you don't walk out of those doors saying anything less than I'm blessed. Father, we are here today to speak truth to what we feel. To remind ourselves what will never change even when we don't feel it. Even when we don't choose to praise, God, it doesn't change that we are blessed. And so, God, may we go out into this week in the good, in the difficult, in the painful. May we choose to praise and allow that praise to shine light into that darkness, knowing that the darkness will never overcome the light. God, we thank you that we are blessed. And it's because of Jesus. Amen.